Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Bits followers and first-time listeners. Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. I'm Taylor Cross. And I'm Jackson Stancil. And we're excited to have you join us for this episode as we continue on in our spring 2022 series covering autonomy and robotics in crop and livestock production. We welcome Craig Rupp, CEO of Sabanto, to this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. Sabanto is an autonomous technologies company that provides total turnkey agriculture services using its supervised autonomous equipment platform. Essentially, Sabanto is farming as a service company, allowing farmers to contract out equipment operations to Sabanto's fleet of autonomous tractors. In this episode, we discuss Sabanto's technology, farmer perspectives on autonomy and agriculture, as well as the expansion and future of autonomous solutions. So here we go with our interview with Craig. I grew up in Northwest Iowa on a farm, corn, soybeans, hogs, cattle, graduated in 1984. And the very last thing I ever wanted to do was step foot on another farm. And so I went to Iowa State, got an electrical engineering degree. And that took me to Chicago where I worked at Motorola. And I'm kind of odd in the, uh, in the uh, agriculture industry. I spent the majority of my career in the wireless industry, particularly cellular. So I've worked, you know, for all the, the, the big name cellular companies. And then I did move from Chicago back to Iowa in the early 2000s. And I, I did a stint with John Deere and I developed their Starfire receiver and Green Star display. And then I went back into the wireless world. And then I started a company called 640 Labs. Um, the FieldView Drive, that little device that plugs into your tractor, I was the guy behind that. And uh, then we, we got acquired by Monsanto, and uh, they put us underneath Climate Corporation. And I spent four years working hand-in-hand with a lot of farmers throughout the Midwest here. And that's what drove me to start taking autonomy into agriculture. So Sabanto is kind of your, your venture to take autonomy into agriculture. And uh, I guess one question I have is what does Sabanto mean and why was it chosen as the name for autonomous agriculture company? Uh, you know, picking a name for a company, as you probably know, Jackson, is, is kind of hard. And uh, at the time, I was just obsessed with uh, these Japanese words. Uh, you know, I saw the, the the company Atari, and I thought it was just an interesting company name. And it, it's, it's Japanese, and I was looking at these various uh, uh, words, uh, Japanese words, and I came across uh, Sabanto, which means servant. And uh, I thought that was fitting. And I wanted a name that didn't have farm, field, or crop in it. I wanted something that was uh, unique, that would be easy to search, Google, do a Google search on and find us as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the cliches of, uh, you know, adding field, farm, or crop into, into the name. Sure, sure. You took a little bit of a step away from field view, I guess, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is super interesting. Um, can you provide us an overview of Sabanto as a company and its mission and kind of what its product offerings are to customers? Okay, so where we're at, I'll start with a stage. Um, uh, 
we're embarking on our Series A round, and uh, we have 15 people. Uh, seven of us grew up on a farm, uh, and the the remaining, all but probably two, um, have worked in the agriculture industry as software engineer or hardware engineer. Uh, we're headquartered in Chicago. Uh, we do our, a lot of our building and testing of equipment in uh, Nevada, Iowa. And uh, our fundamental mission is to take autonomy into row crop agriculture and boldly go where no man has gone before. And uh, so right now uh, we're a service company. Um, we perform field operations autonomously in row crop agriculture. Uh, think of it as farming as a service. And why farming as a service? Um, deploying autonomy is hard. Uh, it's really hard and it's multi-disciplined. If you look at just doing it, you need equipment people, you need software, you need navigation, you need GPS experts, you need you know, connectivity experts, mission control, front end, back end. So there's a lot of disciplines and uh, it, it, it is hard. And right now uh, we're doing primary and secondary tillage. We're doing planting, time weeding, rotary hoeing, weeding, cultivating, uh, mowing, and now applications. Wow. Okay. So that's a, that's a huge list of different yeah. functions there. And I guess based on your answer there, there's really not, it's, it's not a retrofit platform. This is a, a full stack platform that is basically fully contained within Sabanto, correct? Yes, but we are creating um, retrofit capability to the market. We're beginning on that uh, this year. Okay. Awesome. So full stack autonomy, I think kind of gets at a lot of the different functionality that, that you just mentioned. Uh, and I've seen that mentioned in several of your social media posts. What exactly does full stack autonomy mean to you and why is it important, do you think? Um, so full stack autonomy is kind of a play on, if you've ever heard of a full stack developer. Oh, yeah. And so, so th there's a lot of companies that are only doing tillage or they're only doing planting with, with a custom rig. And what we're trying to do is not only deploy autonomy and show the benefits uh, to autonomy in and of itself, but uh, expanding it across the, the entire growing season and performing field operations, each and every field operations. And right now we're doing everything short of harvesting. Who supplies the implements? Or is that y'all's, you know, additional service? Y'all come to the field with y'all's own implements? Or are you using, you know, that specific farmer's implements? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we, we show up, when we plant um, uh, up to now, we've used our own planter uh, because, uh, you know, we show up with very high capability planters. So we're running precision planting seed meters and downforce, and we wrote the software to control and monitor that. Um, there are certain situations where we own tillage rigs, but there are other, you know, we've come into other opportunities where let's say a farmer has a 20 foot rotary hoe. We can certainly pull that. And uh, so we use their implements. So it's kind of a mix and match. And, you know, you know, it's interesting. I was doing, when I went out, out my first year, I met an 80-year-old farmer in uh, uh, near um, York, Nebraska. 
And, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you, every, you go 100 miles, you're going you're gonna to see different uh, agronomic practices. And that turned out to be the case. And, you know, you go to a, a certain location in the United States and, and they have preference for what cultivators they use, what tillage machines they use. So it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really depends on the situation that we walk into. Yeah, I guess alongside that, uh, if you have kind of this fleet of autonomous tractors uh, and you kind of have all these different implements that you may need to use, uh, are you equipped with several different types of, of platforms, like different size tractors, um, you know, high clearance, all that sort of stuff? Or is there kind of like a, a limitation based on the size of, of tractor that you fit out with this autonomous capability? To date, we've uh, automated uh, from 60 horsepower to 430 horsepower. So there is really no limitation. And what's interesting is we built a mission control and a path planner. Um, at the end of the day, the software guys, they could care less if you're 10 feet wide or 100 feet wide, or if you're 60 horsepower or 430 horsepower. There's a lot of similarities between them. Uh, physically, you know, it's night and day, but from a software point of view, it's, it's very, very similar for them. Does this full stack um, kind of component allow you think for adoption into specialty crops like potatoes um, and, you know, even peanuts or cotton one day? Um, absolutely. We went out initially in, well, we went out in 2019 and 2020 uh, when we went out with a swarm and a fleet, we started getting inundated by the organic growers and it turns out that they do not like to rotary hoe and they do not like to cultivate. And so they saw our system as a potential avenue to reduce their labor. And, and it also gave them the ability to uh, you know, deploy these systems uh, at the drop of a hat and run them you know, long hours, multiple times you know, cultivating and, and rotary hoeing. Yeah. So with y'all being able to execute some of those, those operations with crops standing in the field, um, what are some of the challenges that, that come along with trying to create an autonomous solution for when there are crops in the field versus, you know, tillage or something like that, where you're not technically worried about, you know, what sort of crops you might be running over? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's why it's, that's why we went down the line of becoming a, a full stack provider uh, because we knew that, when you change field operations, and you, your example is perfect. When you go from tillage to, to cultivating, for example, you're really not allowed to just traverse across the entire field. So by going and providing multiple operations like that, uh, what happened is our, our path planner got much more mature because you know, when we, when we traversed, you can only traverse on the headlands and you can only traverse on the headlands in between the rows. So that really uh, drove my software team to implement functionality like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a totally different, totally different ball game. It's, it's amazing what you can get done, I guess, when you're faced with a challenge like that. So. Exactly. You mentioned the swarm technology. Can you expand on that and maybe the challenges um, faced when executing that in the field? Yeah, so one of the reasons why we went with a swarm, and it, it all come to, came down to, um, we're a startup, we don't have all the capital in the world, so 
uh, it just turns out, you know, you can lease these smaller tractors much more cost effectively than a, a 500 plus horsepower tractor. And, and, you know, we, 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 you know, we took out our pencils and started just, uh, just writing down, you know, just requirements that we wanted to do or we wanted to achieve. And, and, and then it all came down to, you know, if we, if we get these little tractors, if we need more throughput in terms of acres per hour, we can always deploy another one in the field. And when you start uh, uh, throwing multiple systems in the field, uh, you know, th there's different, uh, I guess, uh, constraints that come up, meaning that now you have to make sure when you're path planning that, you know, this unit is covering this portion of the field, this other unit is doing this portion of the field. And oh, by the way, the path plans can't can't cross at the same time. And then you have to create this overlord, which looks down on these two systems. And that's that's something that we're running up in the cloud that monitors these two systems to make sure that, you know, there's absolutely no way that, uh, that they can come close to each other. And so each system, we paint a box around it. And while it's going through the field, we look at where it's at, where it's going, where this one's at, where it's going. Now, there is a limit but it's it's not necessarily a limit on our system it's more of a limit on logistics and i'll give you an example if you have an 80 acre field it probably would make sense to deploy 10 systems out there at once because you know they're going to pause because of you know crossings and whatnot and in in just the, the the fact of bringing 10 systems out there would would be you know fairly uh inefficient just out of curiosity, how many systems have you kind of deployed in one field at a time? Four. We've done four. Was that like a full quarter section size for four systems? Um, yeah, it was 160 acres. And we also, uh, so some other things this last year, what we did was we ran, we ran two systems, 48 hours nonstop. Um, we had six systems running in parallel, uh, three in... Uh, or no, pardon me, four in Missouri, and then we had two running in uh, uh, in Nebraska. One was doing field cultivating right ahead of the planter. Okay. okay. So when you're going about, you know, kind of planning operations for the field, um, is, is that kind of, you know, you have parameters that are selected by the farmer during the contracting process, and then your team at the office kind of creates the field plan, uh, or is this more of like an, an autonomous thing? Like you just hand it a field and a couple of parameters, then you have a system that'll do it. Or is it more like that contract agent that goes out there, you know, he can draw it up with his finger there at the side of the field. How exactly does that operation planning work? Okay. At this point in time, we're quite involved with the farmer. Um, and we, we take orders from the farmer, meaning that he wants this field planted. He wants to use this hybrid. Uh, he wants the, uh, the, the you know, he wants five degrees off of north. Uh, he, he may be doing prescription planting, which we do. And we also do swath control as well. Um, we get his field boundary uh, and just information like that he gives us. And then what we do is we create, quote, a coverage map. And then we create a path plan for when the tractor is sitting in the, uh, in the field. So with your experience with connectivity, I'm sure you've come across rural connectivity problems. Is this impacted the development of this platform at all and like the implementation of these autonomous solutions? 
Um, not at all. I, uh, I mentioned that we're, uh, we have a lot of wireless experience. And so uh, we're, we're, we're pretty good at, at uh, uh, connectivity. That's, that's a really, I think, a, an important aspect. Um, I think oftentimes, I don't know, at least working with, with fertigation, we've had our own challenges with keeping pumps uh, and, and, you know, irrigation monitoring units uh, connected there in the field. So yeah. as much as y'all rely on cloud technology, that's a huge, huge factor, I think, to have that wireless uh, connectivity reliability. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the modems we use, I worked on them. I mean, the the actual chipset, the the companies that make the chipsets, I, I worked with them in my uh, in my prior career. So, yeah, I can we can control those as well and control their uh, control that. Practically speaking, what does it look like when Sabanto pulls up? to somebody's field, to a farmer's field, to execute uh, some contracted operation, say a, a planting operation there with a, with a variable rate prescription? Okay, um, so they, they give us the, this prescription prior. So what we do is, uh, and then we have the, uh, the field boundaries, or sometimes we strike the boundaries ourselves, and then uh, we create a coverage map, which has all the inherent prescriptions at a given point in that. Um, we show up uh, without a semi. Uh, it's one an, another nice thing with going to smaller equipment. All our equipment can be pulled behind a three-quarter ton truck. Nice. Every every farmer has a, a three-quarter ton truck, and you know I have a CDL, and it's a pain to have a CDL, and it's a pain for a startup to have a CDL uh, require that. Um, so the one thing, one thing we wanted to do was focus on just using smaller equipment such that we can pull it with a, with a three quarter ton truck. Um, so we show up and, you know, if we have the field boundaries, it's just a matter of parking the uh, tractor in the field and then we leave and we have the ability to remote start the unit and then kick off a path plan and perform, uh, perform the field operation. Now on, uh, I would say, let's say we're doing planting, then obviously about every six hours, someone has to go out there and fill it with seed. Um, and we do have, uh, we carry a sufficient amount of fuel. We can go about 20 hours nonstop with, uh, with our fuel capacity. And, but, but right now it's like every 12 hours, yet we go out there and we uh, do regular maintenance, you know, check the air filter. Um, uh, refuel it and and do various things like that sure and obviously with autonomy being in in kind of the early stages it's really important to have that ability to to monitor and um i, I guess with that being the case are y'all trying to stay close to your headquarters there and kind of where you have personnel with where you do operations or y'all just kind of on the road and and staying around where where you're executing operations you know we're really opportunistic uh, and it's it's not necessarily uh, geography based. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of field operations in Hastings, Nebraska area. Uh, we've done quite a lot in down in Missouri and in southern Illinois, and uh, and we've been up to Wisconsin as well. So we're not we're really not bounded by geographically, and. And a lot of it comes down to farmers that have unique problems that, you know, we can see a future in this type of market. 
What advantages um, do you see for farming as a service versus um, an independent grower having their own autonomous equipment? Yeah, I started I started farming as a service because what I wanted to do was I have a team of engineers and I mean, what we're trying to accomplish, and I'll, and I'll go back and repeat, it's very hard, meaning when you're looking at a 160 acre field and you have to plant this autonomously and, and you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have problems monitoring the planter, um, monitoring the tractor. Um, you know, when, when problems go, go wrong, um, I wanted to make sure that my staff you know, was responsible. The onus on getting this working is on them. And I knew at the time that the technology we were developing, you know, go back two years ago, it was very immature. And it, it had a lot of had a lot of issues to implement. And I wanted to make sure that that my staff uh, the onus was on them. Had I given it to a farmer, and if you've ever been around a farmer, um, given the time commitment or the time constraints, they don't have a lot of patience. And once something's not working, it'll just get parked on the side and, and they'll go back to their old, old ways of doing it. And I knew that I had to get, uh, get to a level where I could deploy a tractor and it's going to work. And it's not... Uh, you know, he's not going to have troubles with the back end. You know, there's something wrong with the path planner. There's something wrong with mission control. I just wanted to make sure that that my engineers uh, were responsible for making it work. And they've they've done that. If you if you would have seen us in 2020 versus 2021, night and day difference. Sure. I have engineers. I have engineers who have never seen the tractor that they've run for you know, hundreds of hours. I guess, do you see any advantages with this farming as a service model um, to with with autonomy being such a kind of a new technology, right? For farmers, do there being some advantages to not having to make a huge capital expenditure, but starting to experiment with autonomy and and at least give it a try on the farm? I do. And I'm getting inundated with the people that want to do that. They... Uh, they either want to downsize or they have older equipment and they're getting a little bit long in the tooth. And what they want to do is they want to just deploy an autonomous tractor and farm their entire operations that way. Where do you see autonomy in agriculture going for Sabanto? Um, do you think maybe eventually y'all will be creating these uh, vehicles that aren't going to be just a service people can actually purchase them uh yeah i mean so where we're headed and we're still doing farming as a service for some 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 of our customers and we're going to continue build that out what we're going to do is we're going to make autonomy available to others such that they can start deploying it on their own uh, in their own operations or perhaps you know if you take a young person who wants to contract farm uh, they can, with very low capital, they can go out and get a system and deploy it themselves. And, you know, I still, I still have this vision where I want to create a farmer. There's, there's some young 20, 25 year old person out there who wants to, always wanted to farm. They, they didn't, uh, 
they didn't have the means to start farming. And uh, here's a, a very low cost way to get into farming, start contract farming. And eventually they'll, they'll pick up, you know, a couple hundred acres and, and become a farmer themselves. That's, That's a, a really cool viewpoint. Yeah. I had never thought of it that way. Yeah, I think it's it's just kind of speaks to the the variety of different advantages that autonomy might have or, or different uh, avenues that it might create. Um, yeah. And I kind of wanted to go back to something that you said, uh, Craig, earlier. You you mentioned that you're kind of working with farmers that have unique challenges that can be uh, solved by autonomy. What are some of those challenges that you've seen farmers have uh, that they're looking to solve using autonomous technology? So uh, let me touch on the, the organic space. Um, we have some farmers we're working with now. What they want to do is they want to rotary hoe, rotary hoe, rotary hoe all day, all night, uh, take a field and just continually rotary hoe it to remove weeds. Wow. And, and keep uh, you know, pigweed in particular from uh, germinating. Uh, I guess I was told, and I'm learning a lot too, once it hits 72 degrees, pigweed starts. And what they want to do is they, they want to keep ahead of it and they want to run these systems, you know, 24 seven and, and just, and keep that at bay. And they just don't have the labor nor the time to go out and do that. And they're looking at us as a possible avenue to help them um, help them increase their yields. Very interesting. Yeah. And I guess with organic, that is going to be one of your early adopting segments, just because there is that higher value there. It's, it's worth it if you can manage to get on top of things. Exactly. And, you know, the, the thought was we're done planting and we, we turn around and start deploying, uh, rotary hose or time weeders. Another question that I, I kind of want to ask, and maybe this is a, a controversial topic. I know it is in some uh, agriculture circles, but how do you feel about the future? Say if, you know, you got rid of all the capital constraints and, and, you know, you were having people that had their own tractors that you could outfit with autonomous, uh, capabilities. Do you think small or large machinery is, is going to be the way of the future, uh, within agriculture? <laughs> well, I think I've, uh, I think it's apparent what I think. Yeah. You know what? Um, James Watt, uh, you've heard of the watt, the kilowatt, the watt, right? Um, horsepower equals work divided by time. Right, yep. And I think everyone realizes that autonomy is going to increase time, which decreases horsepower. Yep. And I think uh, we peaked in horsepower. And, you know, it's a thousand dollars for horsepower. I, th I think, uh, I think that horsepower is going to come down. And uh, there's also the, the agronomic effects of going with smaller equipment, um, compaction in particular. And, and, you know, if you look at the, the ESG, the environmental uh, portion of it, um, you know, I think the, uh, I think everyone's the carbon markets. I think a lot, lot of the industry is focusing on no-till and and having smaller equipment, lighter equipment uh, will cut down on the necessity to uh, to rip 
or to uh, to do some deep tillage. And I think that's going to uh, uh, I think that's going to be a factor in going smaller as well. Very cool. Yeah, some popular opinion, but I don't have. Uh, uh, you know, I think that's just the way it's going to go. No, I think it's very valid, and, and uh, I guess that's kind of where where I lie. I'm certainly not as as well thought uh, thought out about it as as you are, but I think my my take is that smaller smaller machinery is going to be the way of the future as well. So harvesting may be the hard part there. Uh, absolutely, and uh, we'll uh, we'll address that. <laughs> sure. So, if someone wants to learn more about the Sabanto platform or more about customer experiences, where should they go? Um, okay, so the best place to see our antics is following us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn uh, with the handle Sabanto Ag. Um, and if you want to get uh, more insight into the inner workings of our company uh, and join our fan club, go to sabantoag.com and fill out the questionnaire or the inquiry uh, on the uh, on our website. Sounds good. I actually, I, we really enjoyed kind of perusing, or at least I did, I think Taylor did too, but I enjoyed perusing your, uh, your Twitter feed yes. uh, as we were preparing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a personality to it. Uh, and, and I like, it, you know, it's very unique. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, uh, yeah, I try to make it uh, fun. We do. One tradition here on the farm bits podcast is we like to ask for a piece of advice uh, as kind of the concluding piece of the episode. Um, and so what I would ask you for today is what advice do you have for farmers who are interested in automation, but unsure of how exactly it's going to benefit them uh, or what they can do to, to try it out on their farm? You know, for starters, um, start by joining our fan club. Uh, I think the benefits are apparent, but just like everything else in agriculture, uh, the devil's in the details. Um, by joining us, uh, you'll certainly help us with the details. Um, as for the investment, uh, our mission is to reduce the capital and operating expenses from agriculture. And I think they can help us do that. And I do appreciate Jackson and Taylor uh, inviting me. And uh, by the way, I am a Cornhusker fan. Awesome. Uh, like I, I, I root for them for everyone they play, except uh, when they play Iowa State, which they don't very often. But um, I, I do. Uh, I, I, I've met a lot of uh, friendly people in your state. Nebraska nice is what they say out here. And so far, from true. So it is. It really is. Very polite and nice people. Salt of the earth. Go Big Red. We'd like to thank Craig Rupp again for joining us today on the Farm Bits podcast. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of this interview with Craig was the farming as a service model that Sabanto offers could potentially allow um, young pr professionals to kind of get involved in the farming world by, you know, contracting out these services versus not having to spend that big capital upfront investment on equipment. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's just one of those uh, kind of tertiary benefits or, or I guess peripheral benefits, I should say, uh, of autonomy that you don't necessarily think about when you just think about the operations. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, 
you know, there wasn't like a single moment in the interview so much that stood out as uh, as much as there were just a few things that kind of continued to pop up during the interview. I thought it was interesting that Craig kept going back to kind of organic systems uh, and their requirement for labor um, and some of the management opportunities that autonomy unlocks for them by being able to constantly be in the field weeding um, and just it totally creates a new option for weed control. Um, and then I also just kind of like the way that they've they've branded their company and structured it uh, so far. Um, and I, you know, I just thought the reference to, to full stack was, was kind of funny because it is something you hear a lot about in the software as a service world. So it just kind of adds up with their farming as a service model to talk about um, about full stack autonomy. So uh, with that said, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Craig uh, and I look forward to you joining us next week as we continue on in our robotics and automation for crop and livestock production series this spring on the Farm Bits podcast. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.